Welcome to the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. We should have a different agenda than the world. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context, where we are equipping believers to live out their faith in the context of the local church and the world. Hey, we're going to do something a little different on the next few podcasts, not really extremely different, but I just want to go through the book of Mark, and we're going to look at portraits of Jesus, Jesus in action, and just maybe little nuggets uh, that would encourage you in your walk with the Lord and and understanding the very Lord that you love and that you're attempting to serve because there are such, of course, great profiles of him in this uh, gospel of Mark. You know, the, the, it starts right out of the chute. You know, Mark 1 says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So Mark presents Jesus as the Son of God. Then Matthew goes through his genealogy, starting out by saying the son of David and the son of Abraham. And then Luke, uh, being a medical doctor, I think is interesting, goes into great detail about the conception, uh, you know, the supernatural birth of Christ and presents him as the son of Joseph and Mary. So we see this incredible portrait of the Lord. But Mark comes with the son of God and jumps right into the ministry of John the Baptist, and then right into the ministry of Jesus. So I want to pick it up there in the first chapter, in verse 23, and Jesus uh, outing in the, outing by mean his, not him being outed, but him going out to the synagogue. In verse 23, it says, just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Isn't that interesting that his first encounter with the devil, the devil knows who Jesus is. Of course, we know the Bible says the devil knows and believes and trembles, uh, but that doesn't make him uh, a believer, does it? So even the devils believe. So our our believing requires submitting to the forgiving process of the Lord. And the Bible says here that Jesus rebuked the devil. Uh, A very strong word. Actually, there are two different words used in the New Testament for rebuke. One is how you would like rebuke the world. You'd have like a prophetic rebuke where you're not expecting a response. The other one is when you'd rebuke a brother or somebody and say, hey, you know, please respond to this. Well, Jesus used that first word. He's rebuking them. He's not expecting a response. Matter of fact, he knows there is no response uh, because they are destined to be in the lake of fire. And they know that. They know that their destiny is coming up. So he uses a very strong word here to rebuke them. And it's interesting what the demons say. What business have we to do with you? In other words, we have nothing to do with each other. Well, at least they made a right statement then. They understood that that these things did not go together. 
demonic activity, darkness, sin do not go together with walking with Jesus. Uh, And I know a lot of times it seems like to me as I kind of track what's going on in the Christian world and are interfacing with the, the world that we live in, that we seem to think sometimes, somehow, some way, that we're supposed to have business with them, that we have the same agenda as they do, and they don't. I remember when I was pastoring, uh, there was a little fray in our community because I'd really spoken out against Islam. We had brought in a converted Muslim in to come in and preach in our church, and that was even met with, you know, like, we shouldn't be doing that. Can you imagine the world telling us what we should be preaching in the church? And, uh, you know, then the Muslim leaders wanted to have a meeting with me and see what we could work out together. And I said, we don't, we don't have anything in common. If I met a Muslim person on the street and they needed a drink of water, I would give them a drink of water. But we have no call, obligation, I would even go this far, and luxury to, to support something that is diametrically and I would even go as far as say demonically opposed to the gospel we're preaching. I nicely said, I have no business with you. We have nothing in common. You are on a different mission that we are on. You do not represent the same God that I represent. And our gospel is completely different. We really have no business together. And sometimes we just have to really understand that we have no business together uh, as far as our corporate missions are concerned. Again, that doesn't mean as individual believers we do not act with kindness and charity and mercy towards people, but we certainly have no obligation to prop up uh, organizations or ministries or movements or anything else that are actually opposed to the gospel. And Jesus told them to be quiet. I mean, really, the, the Greek is very strong. It's, it's shut up. You know, don't speak a word. It's very strong. And the purpose, of course, was that he did not want the news to get out that he was uh, the Messiah. Uh, there is some conjecture on why Jesus uh, not only told the demon not to talk here, but other times he told people that were healed not to, not to say anything. And uh, the most reasonable explanation is that Jesus knew he was on a mission, and he knew the authorities, uh, both the Roman and Jewish authorities, would seek to kill him eventually, and that he did not want that to happen prematurely, that he was committed to go to the cross. I think that's a reasonable explanation and one worth exploring Certainly. In uh, verse 27, it says uh, that he taught them as one having uh, like a new authority. Uh, uh, not new in the sense, again, there are several different words used in the, in the New Testament for new. One of them would be like a new thing, like something that never existed before. The other one would be like, a new car. Oh, you've had cars before, but now you got a new one. And it's the second word they're using here. So that tells you that these Jewish believers, uh, or, or, or if you want to call them believers, but the committed Jews, I think there were many sincere 
uh, Jewish people in these groups. We know that many, many of them did come to faith. But what Jesus did and said was not new doctrinally. They had just never seen it before. And it was done with such authority that it stirred them up. So Jesus, you know, I always tell people, Jesus did not come preaching anything that was new. It wasn't a new revelation. It was a new, maybe, understanding of what they had been taught. But when the apostles preached on the day of Pentecost, they did not preach anything new uh, that had never been heard. Uh, I think they brought clarity to it. They quoted many scriptures in that first sermon to bring clarity that this is that which was spoken of. And so, uh, you know, we've got we've to really understand that and grab it. And then I want to go to verse 38, because this is very important right out of the chute. So we have John the Baptist, we have the demonic activities, we have Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law, there's several things that happens. And of course, the crowd is growing and things are happening and Jesus sneaks away and then the disciples go out and find him. And in verse 38, he says this, and he said to them, let us go somewhere else, not right here where we've already been, to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came to do, that I might preach there also." And that word preach is a a very strong word. Again, there are several words used in the New Testament for preaching and teaching. And and this is the crux. This is the, the word we get the word herald. In other words, like an official representation of the king. That's what the herald would do. And the herald would go to the town square and they would ring the bell. It was if the king was speaking and uh, he would be dressed in the king's garments, and the people would have to pay homage to him as the king because he was speaking for the king. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing here. Notice what he said he came to do. He came to preach. He came to preach the good news. I'm a big believer that whatever we do in word or deed, we do all in the name of Jesus, that our outreaches, that our social ministry, that our compassion ministry needs to have the name of Jesus on it. It needs to have preaching on it, understanding there are different formats, different venues, different vehicles, but the message does not change. And we should do what Jesus did. Even when there is great success, he didn't stay there. He said, let's go and keep preaching. So when God gives us blessing and favor, it's to extend the kingdom. When we're having fruit, we should plant more seed. We should go and preach some more. So these are some portraits of Jesus in action. And I think you can take them and you can apply them to your life. And we're going to do a few more of these from the Gospel of Mark, and maybe this is something if you uh, are looking to start a new Bible study, you could read along with me and study through the Gospel of Mark. So when I'm sharing these things, you'll know exactly where I'm going and what I'm going to say. Hey, this is Keith Tusi for Leadership in Context. Keep leading. 
Mark 1.38 tells us that Jesus came to preach the good news. All that we do needs to have the name of Jesus on it and include the preaching of the good news. It is what Jesus did, and it should be what we do. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to equip believers to lead in every area and venue of life. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. To contact Keith or ask him a question, email podcast at nrpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at nrpastors. See you next week.